things change when I call you. I don't know. Anybody can testify to that. You called on Jesus and things change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He is good all the time. Man, there's, there's times where I thought he was leaving me alone. He was just setting me up for something bigger. Amen. He's never let me down. You say, well, pastor, how can you say that? We still have beams in here. I know. He's just setting us up for something bigger. Come on now. Amen. He's not letting me down. We're still having church. Amen. He's still moving. People are still getting baptized. People are still being discipled. People are being filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on now. God's good all the time. Amen. Amen. For those of you that don't know, I'm Pastor AJ, and I'm the lead pastor here. And I do want to welcome all of you today, welcome all of our guests. We're so glad that you're with us. And I also want to say to everybody that's watching online, we know that you check us out before you come here. So that's okay. We're glad that you're checking us out. We just hope to see you in person soon. And uh, during the month of July, we have been tracking the Christian movement in the book of Acts. We have been talking about what it means to be the first church or to be the sequel to the first church. We're actually carrying on the works that the first church started. And uh, that's been exciting. We're excited uh, last week to have the Yadernicheks with us. And uh, Brother Yadernichek did a great job speaking about don't trade your stalling for your calling. Amen. And hopefully uh, you remember that. If you don't remember anything else, uh, we had some we had some good laughs. We had a good time. And uh, we did have a great service. But I also want to uh, just kind of put something out there today as we get into the word for a few moments here. Uh, I want to encourage you to not just check your brain at the door. That's what I know right now. A lot of us think, you know, well, I go to church and Everybody says that, you know, religion's just a crutch and, you know, if you trust Jesus, you really don't have any common sense and all these kind of things that you hear. And, you know, the media and society tries to make uh, God and religion and, and getting closer to God seem like a, a crutch or something that is, is only for the weak. But God is really calling you to couple your intellect with the Holy Spirit's empowerment. God didn't call you to be an idiot. Amen. I, I'm sorry. I know that's kind of blunt, but God, did, God didn't call you, nor does he expect you to be an idiot Christian. There you go. There's your tweet. If you're looking for a tweetable quote there, God doesn't expect you to be an idiot Christian. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to show his love to everybody that he draws to you. And that's going to take your brain. It's going to take your brain. You can't sit your brain on the side. You can't give a bunch of canned answers to people who are desperate and hurting. you got to use your brain. That's what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes, okay? All right. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out. We're going to turn to the book of Acts chapter 17. I'm not going to keep you standing the whole time. But there's just way too many churches out there that are asking you to check your brain at the door. They want you to be a fool for Jesus, right? And there are times that what you say and what you do will not make sense to everybody, but Jesus does not want you to be an idiot for him. He wants to empower your brain like never before. Amen. I, look, I'm sorry. I know some of you think that I'm just, you know, 
uh, a fanatic and I'm kind of crazy. And so that makes me seem foolish to some people. But most of you that know me, you know I'm not an idiot. And I'm going to use my brain. I'm going to use the brain that God gave me, empowered by the Holy Ghost, to reach everybody that I can before he comes. Amen. That's my purpose. That's my goal. If you don't have the Holy Ghost yet, today is your day. Today is your day. You say, well, I just don't know if it's for me. It's for you. It's for all that are afar off. That includes you. That means it's not just for you, but it's for your children and their children and generations following them. And for everybody that's alive on the face of the earth and for everyone who will be alive, amen, the Holy Ghost is for you. And you don't have to check your brain at the door to accept that today. Are you with me? All right. So let's read together. We're going we're gonna to get into Acts chapter 17. We're going to read verse 16. We'll start there, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. And uh, we're going to read just a little bit, and I'm going to let you be seated, and I'm going to finish reading this, okay, later, in just a little bit. All right, it says, I'm going to read out of the, the New American Standard Bible, and you can read King James or whatever they put up on the screen, but it says, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him. As he was observing... The city full of idols. I think I'm just going to stop there. I don't know about you, but when I think back, and I was just in Greece, in Athens, all the ones that were there can testify, it is a city that is given to idolatry. It is a city that is given to images. I'm I'm talking about uh, there's a spirit that goes with it. And Paul, the scripture says, Paul was waiting for them at Athens and he was, his spirit was provoked as he was observing the city full of idols. You can look around in our society today and see that our society, amen, is a society that is full of idolatry. It's full of idolatry. Well, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't serve these, these graven images and these wooden gods and all that. No, no, no. I, I, I get it. Athens, that's still pretty prevalent, but... But no, we don't as a society. But we do have our our idols. We have our pop stars and movie stars. And come on now, we have all these things, and yet we lack the one thing that we need the most, and that's the Holy Ghost empowering our brain to show the great things of God. Let's pray and then we're going to be seated. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. God, thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to be idiots. We can actually use our brains and be used by the Holy Ghost. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do in this house, that you're going to enlighten and empower us before this service is over. And God, we give you praise and glory. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, that was weak. One more time, say it, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So many people want to ask you to, you know, well, just, you know, forget everything that you know and put all this aside. And, and, and yes, we do have to become as little children to, to, to approach the kingdom. I do understand that. But at the same time, I want you to know that God wants to fill you with his spirit. All right, God wants to fill you with his spirit. He never said he wanted to replace your complete personality. God's not on a mission to lobotomize your brain. He's not trying to remove all of you. He's just saying, look, I want to empower you. I made you. I created you. I formed you. Now let me fill you with my spirit. And my spirit combined with your brain is powerful. 
Now, some of us, our brain gets us in trouble because it's not completely surrendered to God. And that's why some of us, we need to surrender our brain completely to God so that we can receive his spirit. But if we don't do that, if we hold out, if we say, you know what, uh, I got this little section, I'm just not willing to surrender, I'm just not willing to give up, God, you can have everything but, then what happens is uh, our, our, our brain is fighting, it's, it's at war with the things of God. And it's saying, you know what, I know best. But when we surrender and we submit to God and say, God, you know best, I'm going to trust your word, I'm going to trust uh, your, your spirit over my decisions, over my thinking, over my thoughts. Amen? And when we do that, when we surrender and say, God, yours, then what happens is he empowers our brain. Are you with me? So I, I came to clear up some notions because some people think, well, when I become a Christian, then I just become an idiot. I'm just like the rest of them. Right? That's, that's what some people think. I'm just an idiot because they just mindlessly follow this word. No. No, what happens is your brain gets empowered to understand the word. That's what's going to happen as the Holy Ghost fills you. Now, now, granted, there are some Christians who don't really, I mean, they're happy. They got their ticket punched, right? They think. And, and they're on their way to heaven. So they like, you know, I don't need to study the word anymore. I really don't need to get into the word anymore. I just, I'm just going to get through life and, and get to heaven. And I got, you know, hopefully my seat's on the bus. I'm good. The problem with this thinking is that we fall short of uh, not just be, becoming who God wants us to be, but being useful for God and being useful in his kingdom. Some of you, I, I'm just going to say this and you're going to think that I'm buttering you up, but I'm not. Some of you are more talented and more gifted than some of the people that are on the platform. And it's not a question of, are you talented? Are you gifted? Do you have abilities? The, the, the question is, is your brain fully surrendered to the Holy Ghost? Because when your brain is fully surrendered to the Holy Ghost, have you ever seen one of those, those like animations where they got this brain and there's like all the synapses are firing? You know what I'm talking about? And it's got these, they, they got these cool little, it's like little lights, little streams going back and forth. Anybody ever seen that? It's like the, the explosions of awesomeness in our brain, right? Look, if I, could, if I could show you what the Holy Ghost does to your brain, I'm telling you, some of you know because you've experienced it. It makes you, makes you do all kinds of wonderful things, right? Like some people jump, they laugh, they be, you know, uh, shouting. Some people, uh, they, they, they do all kinds of crazy things. The first thing it's going to cause you to do when you completely surrender your brain is it's going to cause you to speak in a language that you've never learned before. You talk about synapses firing. You Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost is empowering you to speak a language that you never learned. That's amazing. Amen. That's awesome. That's supernatural. That's why we can't do it by ourselves. We need the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to have the Holy Ghost that's, that's uh, taking over your brain. Amen. And helping you to speak in a language and you've got to surrender to it. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Well, you are. You're ready for it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. It's going to so revolutionize your life, if you let it, that you won't even be the same person you used to be. See, a lot of churches are all about, you know, just behavior modification. We're going to teach people how to behave better. This church is not about behavior modification. 
We are about total transformation. Come on, somebody. We're not teaching you how to just live a better life and how to, come on. We're using the Holy Ghost and the Word of God to show you you can be completely transformed. You don't have to be the same person that you used to be. You don't have to have the same feelings and the same hang-ups that you used to have. When the Holy Ghost hits your brain, come on, somebody, things change. Things change when we call you Jesus. Amen. When the Holy Ghost hits your brain, it's something that takes over, and you can love people you didn't used to love. You can forgive people that you never could have forgiven without the Holy you're not hearing me today. Come on, some of you need the Holy Ghost more than you even imagine. God's going to do something powerful in your life, and it's going to start today with your surrender to him. Amen. Sorry, I don't mean to be too excited to just start talking about the Holy Ghost. Something hits me. Amen. This is the best thing out there, man. You can't even buy this. Somebody said it, said, said it right. They said, man, I get high on the Holy Ghost. That's right. You sure do. It does something in your brain. Amen. It's awesome. It empowers you. And, and let me keep going before I get too excited. Something spectacular is going to take place in your life. And your life is going to take on a new meaning. It's not going to be the same old, same old as it always was. When you get up with the Holy Ghost in your brain, you got purpose. You have life. Now, I'm not saying every day you get up and it's, you know, raining rose petals and, uh, you know, the, the fairies come and they put your pants on for you or they, you know, do your hair. I'm not saying that that's, that's not, don't look. I know some, there's some uh, famous TV personalities and people that kind of tell you, you can have your best life now. Just, just you know, just whatever. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you get the Holy Ghost in your brain... And you get the Holy Ghost in your, in your spirit. There's something that takes place. Amen. Something awesome takes place. Th th these things that used to hold you don't have to hold you anymore. And so when you wake up tomorrow, yes, you are the same you, but you are an empowered you. You now have more power than you had last Monday. And we have a, a power and an enlightenment that so many around us are searching for. And that's part of the reason why we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just so that we can be saved, so that others can be saved. So that others can be effective. Paul was, he was persecuting the church. He was destroying people who believed this. And he was filled with God's spirit. God uh, came and shone himself in a light on the road to Damascus. And, and Saul was really confused. He's like, who art thou, Lord? And he's like, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to keep kicking against the, the, the pricks. It's hard for you to, to, to keep going against me. He said, why don't you just surrender, you know? And he's like, okay, well, what do I have to do? He says, go to this place. Go to see this guy. He's going to pray for you. And the scripture says he went, he goes, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And he's baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what happens this man whose name was Saul is now changed to Paul. He now becomes an apostle to the Gentiles. He is sent to the Gentiles to reach the Gentiles. Now, let me ask you this. If Peter could do it, why did Paul need to get saved? Man, if I was God, I'd have flicked Paul's head. I'd, what are you thinking, son? 
I'd have put him in the human microwave. Oh, you, you persecute my church? Oh, okay. How many did you, how many did you imprison? Okay, 25. 25 seconds for you in the giant microwave. No, I, I'm just saying, at some point, you know, God had to have like this awesome plan because Paul is Saul. He's persecuting the church and God turns him around, gets him on the right track. And, and, and God had something that he wanted Paul to do. And I really believe that God saves us for a purpose. I don't believe he just saves us just so that we can be saved. But I believe that he saves us for a purpose. There's a reason God wants your life. Amen. And so Paul is enlightened. He's filled with God's spirit. Literally, he's enlightened. Did you get that? Pun intended. And then God uses Paul's brain. Look, I'm, that was funny. Y'all just missed it, but that was funny. I'm sorry. Paul was enlightened. Read Acts chapter 9. So God starts using Paul's brain and Paul's personality to reach the Athenians, to reach Gentiles, to reach people who are Greeks and not Jewish. He didn't ask Paul to become Peter. I, I just wondered if you noticed that. He didn't expect Paul to become like the rest of the disciples. No, what he wanted to do was he wanted to empower Paul to reach people and Paul uses his brain and his reasoning in the process. So that's what we started reading today. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seemed to be a proclaimer of strange deities. Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection, and they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears so we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling and hearing something new. They just wanted to know, they wanted to be on the cutting edge of whatever was going on in the world. They were like, okay, tell me, tell me what's new, what's, what's happening, what's going on? And so Paul, he uses this curiosity, but they bring him to this place called Areopagus. Now, uh, the, the Bible says, Paul stood, verse 22, in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are a very religious, that you are very religious in all respects. So he, he, he knew that there was something that he, he could observe. They all had idols. They were all climbing mountains, literally, to worship. He said, I can see that you're religious. I can see that you are, you are superstitious. Do you know, this is very true. I'm going to have them put up a few pictures. We were, we were just at the Areopagus. We were just at Mars Hill. It was pretty awesome. So this is the, the bottom. This is where they have this memorial kind of stone. What I'm reading to you is actually engraved on this stone. So they recognize that it's in the Bible. And then go, go ahead and go to the next picture. This is, you see how it says Areopagus Hill. They call it Areopagus Hill. It's, it's also called Mars Hill. 
but it's called both in scripture. And then, so we see, and I know you can't read any of that, but you kind of see the layout. This is, this is right as we're walking up. But I'm going to show you, I climbed it, and I, I did this just for this message. I just want you to know, I did this just for this message. This video was climbing Marshall. I climbed it for you with the video camera, okay? I was just climbing. So it's going to be a little shaky. It might be a little awkward. But let's climb Mars Hill together today, and then we'll, we'll meet up with Paul. So I just passed it, but up on, there's Lisa and John Wayne, Tyresha, Julia. Up on the hill, that is the Temple of Athena, what they call Acropolis. People standing in my way, I'm trying to climb to the top so you can see Athens. I had to watch my footing. That's why it's so shaky, because it was not level at all, as you can see. You could break an ankle quick. But you can see all of Athens. So Paul is standing, literally, he's standing where I'm standing, right there in that video. Paul's standing there, he's looking around, and he's seeing all of Athens. The Temple of Athena is up, and you'll see a picture over here in just a second. There's our, our group right there. There's Brother Bond. All right, go to the picture now. So he's standing there. Acropolis is up. The Athena's temple is up there. There's other temples up there. There's other uh, inscriptions. There's other uh, gods. He had walked through this, and he's standing. They bring him to this place because this is where all the philosophers hang out, and they're talking about what the latest thing is, what the newest thing is, what the coolest thing is. And, and they say, Paul, tell us. Come on. We want to hear it. And so as Paul is standing here, the scripture says, For while I was passing through and examining the, your objects of worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Now, I want you to go to the next picture. There's me and Julia with the... Uh, uh, we're, we're standing where I... This is where I really feel like if... If Paul was standing, he was standing right there. That's what I feel like. Now, I may be wrong. I, I could be off by a few feet, okay? But let's just say I'm standing exactly where Paul's at. You see Athens. You see the Temple of Athena and the other temples and the other idols that are up there. And Paul is telling them, look, I saw all of your superstition. I saw all of your religion. I see that you have to, I mean, literally, we had steps, but I don't think they had like really good steps. They probably had like things that were kind of carved out of the rock just to get up to the top, right? And they built all these. I mean, just, just amazing. It's incredible. And so you, you go up and you climb and I mean, I got 148 floors on my Fitbit that day. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I'm not saying it was high, but I'm saying it was 148 floors. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Tyresha, you were up there. It was, it was high, wasn't it? 
So high above Athens is the temple of Athena. And there's all these other gods. Athens is, is big for Athena. And, and it was, it was the, major, uh, the major goddess. And so not just Athena, but then all these other little temples. And, and down below you had uh, Zeus's temple. And not too far away you have Poseidon's temple. And all these, these Greek gods, right? And they're all worshiping these Greek gods. Now this is the, the, the temple. And there were several uh, idols in this temple, but one of the inscriptions in this temple, they say, was originally the altar to the unknown God. Paul said, as I was passing through, I noticed that you have an inscription to the unknown God. Now, Paul could have said, you bunch of heathen pagans, oh my goodness, you're worshiping all these false gods that are made with hands. How in the world is a God that you made with your own hands going to do anything for you? That's what he, that's, I mean, that's what I would have said. Like, really? And you think I'm the idiot? Right? That's what I would have said. No, no, no. Paul didn't say that. He says, look, I was going through and, and keep going to the next picture. And he said, I, I walked through and I saw this inscription probably right down there on the, on the very left. You see this? I don't know if you can see it. It's like the remnants of an altar. And I, I just kind of, you know, I, I didn't say this. This is not me. I'm just going by what they, they, they said over there. But I was thinking as Paul's going through this and he's seeing... I wonder if Paul knew he was going to have to give an answer for what he was looking at. If he was going to have to say something. And, and so Paul just, you know, it seems like off the cuff, they bring Paul and he's like, as I was passing through, I noticed that you had this, this altar. Go ahead and go to the next one. This inscription to the unknown God. And so right through this doorway is where Paul would have seen this inscription to the unknown God. And Paul is using this and his brain gets empowered by the Holy Ghost. And listen to what he starts saying. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this is what I'm going to tell you about. Now he has their attention. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, we know about the altar to the unknown. Why? Because we don't want to leave anything out. We don't want to miss anything. We don't want to not worship a God that we're supposed to worship. I don't know if you're hearing me yet. They're superstitious. They want to make sure that they... Look, you say, well, that's, that was then. No, they're still superstitious. They, they think literally, and I'm, I'm just going to give you... They, they don't like ice in their drinks. And I know some people say, oh, that's a European thing. It is kind of. But the Greeks don't like ice in their drinks. They don't, like, they don't use air condition. Uh, most of the true Greeks don't. And the reason that they don't is because they're worried about pneumonia. Case in point, we get there, you get, get water, whatever. You have to beg them for buckets of ice. Like, give me a bucket of ice, please. Can I have ice in my water? And it's so hot. You're like, you're, you know, you're literally dying anyway. So you're like, I just, I just want some ice. We just want to prolong the process. So then we, I was carrying baby Judah, uh, the Morenos, the missionaries there, their little baby. Literally, you guys know it was hot, right? I told you that. It was like probably in between 75 and 80 degrees at night. At night, I'm standing there holding baby Judah, who is about the same size, a little, little smaller than Isaac. And I'm, I'm standing there holding baby Judah. And literally, one of the Greeks comes up and he goes, you need to cover his head. You need to cover his head. It was at night. He was outside with his head uncovered. 
they were afraid he was going to get pneumonia. And I looked at him and I'm like, really? I really, I need to cover his head? There's not really a breeze. It's not cold out here. There's no danger of this kid getting pneumonia. Let me tell you that right now. But that's what he thought. He was superstitious. I've told you about my, my meeting with Maria. Maria, who is definitely a Greek, was very cynical, very kind of put off by the idea of Jesus. She was glad that I believed it. It was fine for me, but not for her. And so I believe that God wanted to empower Paul to reach the Athenians. And so this is what he starts telling him. I'm going to declare the one who you are superstitious about. You don't want to miss this one. He said, the God who made the world and all things in it. That's greater than Zeus, greater than any of the ones that they could imagine in their mind. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands. They, they could see that's what they would do. They'd have these Greek gods and then they would build them. They would build these statues of their Greek gods. Then they would build temples for them. And he said, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands. He's not, you can't carve him out of human hands, with human hands, as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. He's the one that's giving us life and breath. Amen. He doesn't need us to shape him into an image. He's giving us life and breath. And then he says... Amen. He made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. That's right. That's right. From one man. Now, some of you don't, I, you're not going to like this. But some people say, well, you know, these people over here, they're a different color than me. Well, not really. We're all kind of the same color. We're, we're all just one race. We all started from Adam. You didn't have a different great, 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 great grandfather than me. I don't care if you're purple. We all came from one. And they're, 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 see, they get so hung up about race and ethnicity. And they get, so people get, our culture gets so hung up. And they're always trying to push this. Well, you know, we've got to have diversity. And, and you know, I'm for this. And again, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, some people say, well, you're, you know, you just come from white privilege. Well, I wouldn't call it privilege. But yes, I am white. But that doesn't make me any different than anybody else. Amen. I have the same struggles, the same fears, the same worries as you do. And some people say, well, you know, but it wasn't always this way. If you go back, I understand. But you, you, gotta, you, can't, you can't keep living in the past. We're not living in the past anymore. we got to understand this. And, and so Paul is trying to tell them he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Why? Because most of the Jews thought they were better than everybody. Having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. Now, this is what Paul does. He's like, look, he's, I don't know if you realize where he's going, but his brain is on the Holy Ghost right now. He's got, he's got a brain on the Holy Ghost because he's, he's telling them he uses their altar to the unknown God inscription. He says, look, the superstition, you guys, you don't want to miss worshiping this God. And so he starts telling them, this is the God that made everything and he doesn't need a temple. He doesn't need an image. He is the one who gives life. And then he says, he made every man, he made all of us, right? 
and he he didn't specify it didn't it didn't matter to him whether you were black or white or yellow if you were Asian Indian uh, uh, it does none of that stuff matters to him it says he made them all and then it says that they would seek him this is why he made us that they would seek him if perhaps they might grope for him like you know walking around in the dark and find him though he is not far from each one of us now you got to understand this these guys they think they've worshiped all the gods they think they've even got it covered because they have the altar to the unknown god and and paul's telling them you missed it though because your brain's not on the holy ghost you, you don't have a Holy Ghost brain yet. He said, this is what needs to happen. You need to seek after him. If you reach after him, you will find him. And he's not very far from any one of us. And so he says, uh, uh, he, he says this. He says that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him. Now, he says, for in him we live and move and exist. And then, look at him. Look at him using his Holy Ghost brain. He goes back, he says, As even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his children. He quotes, like in our time, you know, <laughs> let's just say, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It would be like Paul, in our time, he'd be like, like Jay-Z says. What? What's Paul doing quoting Jay-Z? That's what the equivalent of what Paul did. He said, as some of your own poets have said, we are also his offspring. We are the children of God. And so he says, being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. You didn't come up with, you, you didn't come up with him. He came up with you. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, he said, look, he's willing to forgive you. Having overlooked the time, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed. We know that is Jesus having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. But others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst, and, but some of the men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. Now, I, I read all that and read even verse 34 just to get you to understand this. Not everybody accepted what Paul was saying. But some, some of them did. Now look, I, I'm going to just be very honest and blunt with you. Some of you, God is calling you uh, to, to greater things. He's calling you to better things. He's calling you to speak out. Amen. To, to speak to those who are close to you. To, 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 to reach out for the people in your family and the people that you work with. And he, He's calling for some of you, amen, to speak truth and love to your friends and those who you rub shoulders with every week. And, and you say, well, I can't do it. Yes, you can don't leave your brain at home when you do it either. You know what? A lot of people don't understand religionese. A lot of people don't understand when we say, hey, brother, hey, sister, they, what are you guys, nuns? What, you know, what's, 
What's up with that? That doesn't make any sense. We know we're just giving a term of respect as we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we say, but a lot of people don't understand that. So when you see me in the store, don't run up and say, hey, brother AJ. Unless I'm wearing a monk outfit, then, then it's okay. But if I'm not wearing a monk outfit, just say, hey, pastor or AJ, what's going on? Why? Because we put people off with that. They don't understand a lot of the things that the, the terminology that we use. It, well, it comes from the Bible. Yes, it does. But Paul didn't use just biblical words to reach out to his generation. And we can, we've got to use our brains to figure out what's going to work. We, we, we don't have to communicate in King James English. We've got to be able to communicate the truth in love in a language that people will understand. Are you with me? Some of, you, some of you are just looking at me like I've just blasphemed or something. Bless God. Talking about getting away from the King James. Well, you know, not everybody understands King James. You, you can't just say, you know, have you been sanctified from your sins? Some people out there, they don't even know what sin is. Have you been redeemed yet? What, what do you mean redeemed? Right? Are you washed in the blood? Come on now. Right? We know what we're saying. But they're like, huh? Look, look, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to help you see. God doesn't want you to check your brain at the door or at the house or at the church. He, he wants to use your brain. If you're not communicating and you, you can't get stuff through, figure out a way to get through. Paul used their own poets. He used their own speakers. He used their own, the, the inscription that they had to the unknown God. Used their own superstition against them. Come on now. There are going to be people in your life that they do not necessarily come from the same background, but you've got to be able to speak to them. You got to be able, amen, to reach out for them and love. The only way that you can do that is with the Holy Ghost empowering your brain. Because some of us, we got lame brains without the Holy Ghost. Let's just be honest. Without the Holy Ghost, some of us, we, we just, we're just mediocre. But man, when the Holy Ghost kicks in, it takes us to a whole nother level. Amen. When the Holy Ghost kicks in, it, it takes us, amen, to a different dimension. When you're full of God's Spirit, He will empower you how to tell others about how great He is and what He can do in their life. And you'll even be able to give personal examples. One of the greatest things that you can do, amen, is start telling somebody about your example. Amen. How God saved you. I don't, I don't know if I believe all that religion stuff. I don't believe in religion either. But I do believe in spiritual things. I do believe in the things of God. I do believe that there's a spirit realm all around us. Amen. And when God fills me with his spirit, I had an experience. And I've had many experiences since then. You can't tell me that it's not real. Amen. Because I've experienced it for myself. And so I don't have to tell you just what's in the Bible. I can tell you what has happened to me. How God has changed me. How God did it for me. Amen. You may be able to argue with, I don't like Paul and I don't like Peter and I don't like those Bible characters, but you can't argue. You don't like me. That's your problem. Like what you see is what you get, right? 
I'm just me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about what God has done in me through the Holy Ghost. I told you guys about Maria, but for those of you that weren't here, let me just kind of reiterate. I felt empowered at that moment when I was talking to Maria. She was trying to get us to come into a restaurant. We'd already eaten. I said, no, 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 I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm not really interested in that. But all of a sudden, I asked her how she was doing. She said her back was hurting. How many of you remember that? She said her back's hurting. I said, I said well, you know, uh, we believe that Jesus heals, and she was trying to put us off, put us off. So I said, look, I, I'll make the long story short. I said, look, if, if Jesus would heal you right now and all your back pain was gone, would you know, would you know that it was Jesus and that he loves you? She says, well, it couldn't hurt. It couldn't hurt, right? So we prayed for just a short, simple prayer, about 45 second prayer, maybe. And we got done praying with her. And I asked her, I said, how does your back feel? She started moving around. She said, it feels better. It feels good. It's the pain's gone. And I said, I said, that's Jesus. Now, look, I put Jesus on display. That's what I did. That was my intent. I thought, God, you're either going to heal her or you're not. But if healing her would show her how much you love her and give her a chance to be saved, why not? Now, I'm not saying that everybody, you need to go out and start, you know, I'm not saying you need to go buck wild unless the Holy Ghost gets you going buck wild. Then, well, you know, by all means, go after it. But I'm just saying there are simple ways that God wants to show himself powerful through you. And so we prayed and she's no pain. And she says, she said, no, she said, this is what she said. No, that's not Jesus. That's the love that I feel from you guys. And I said, exactly. That's Jesus. God is love. Amen. There's no, there's, look, look, you can't, you can't separate. You can't say, oh, my pain's gone. That's just, oh, love healed me. Yes, love did heal you. Jesus healed you. Amen. When the Holy Ghost gives you that empowerment and, and challenges you to, to be better than you are, to be more than you are, to go further than you thought you could go, something takes place in you. I'm not saying that, you, you know, you have to have it all together and you have to have everything figured out. I'm just saying it's like a synergy that takes place in your brain when the Holy Ghost comes in. There are times when I say things that I never would have planned on saying. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I'll start having a conversation and sometimes I start like literally, and I don't think you guys will believe this, but my blood pressure starts going up. I'm just like... Oh, God, I don't have the answers here. You know what I'm talking about? And I start, like, I can feel it. I, I start stressing. I'm like, oh, God, I don't, I don't really have the answers. This is, this is going to be bad. This is really going to be bad. And sometimes, I'll just be very transparent. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, I don't know if I can help them. I might as well just get off this phone call or get out of this conversation. But what happens normally is I'll be like, Jesus, I need you right now. I don't, I don't have time to go pray for 45 minutes and fast for three days this week. I need you right now. I need the Holy Ghost to take this conversation over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it is amazing what happens if you let the Holy Ghost take over. Some of, you, some of you are feeling it right now. You're feeling the Holy Ghost because what I just said has happened to you recently. And you're like, oh, pastor, you just read my mail. I read all of our mail because God's looking to have some experiences with the people in your life. And he wants to do it through the Holy Ghost in your brain. Amen. 
He wants the Holy Ghost to be able to saturate your brain. And so when you start letting God lead you through uh, love in the conversation, his spirit will empower you to reach people where they are. Amen. You won't need to say all kinds of religious rhetoric. You can, you can actually get to the heart of where they are. That's why it's good to have at least a few people that you're talking to on a regular basis that aren't in the church. Don't, don't get mad at me. I know I want you to have saved friends. I want your kids to have saved friends. I want you to have a good, safe environment. But I don't want you to be a bunch of spiritual snowflakes. Is that okay? I'm not trying to offend you. I just don't want you to be, oh, uh, we just, if we're not in church and we, we got to be safe and, you know, I just don't know. And, no, no, no. This, the scripture says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what happens when the Holy Ghost comes in. Oh, I wish you could get this today. The Holy Ghost comes in and makes your mind sound. Because some of you, you need the sound mind. If, if you didn't have it, you'd be insane. Who is God trying to reach for through you? Who, who is God trying to talk to? Who is it in the last month that you had a conversation with and you were like, Oh, Jesus, I need you now. Was it somebody in your family? Somebody that you work with? Was it somebody that you, you, you bumped into? You know, I, I have this happen to me every once in a while. Maybe you can, you, you can cope with this or relate to this. You, you go to the store and you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time. You're like, why today? You know, I'm in a hurry. I don't have time for this. Why today? I see this person I haven't seen in two or three or five or seven years, whatever. And, and there they are. And look... There are times, I know you do, because I have done it too. You see them, you see them coming, and you're like, I don't have time today. You're going down the other aisle. Lord bless them from a distance. Come on now. And then there's other times where you just can't get away. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to have a conversation with them right now. And you're like... Some of you, this is all too real for most of you. You're just like, pastor, really? And, and what, what you're dealing with is you're dealing with trying to maneuver the things of the Spirit in your flesh. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. Because we can't maneuver through the Spirit world in our flesh, in our carnal mind. We can't do it. There's a, there's a, there's a total disconnect because it's kind of like you know, your brain is supposed to be doing things and, it, and it's not doing them. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen somebody that's got paralysis of some sort? Their brain is supposed to be telling them to do certain things and their brain isn't communicating that they need to do those things. And so they want to. They, they, they want to pick up their hand to put a you know, carrot in their mouth, but they can't do it. And sometimes whenever we don't let the Holy Ghost lead us, we are like spiritual paralysis patients we're going through life we're, we're trying to navigate the spirit world and deal with these people that are lost and dying and going to hell and we're, we're trying to reach out for them but we're doing it in our own thinking we need the Holy Ghost we got to have the Holy Ghost that's why we got to pray 
That's why we've got to read the Word. That's why we've got to get into the, the presence of God on a regular basis, not just once a, a week on Sundays. I, I know that was a really weak amen. Thank you for the two or three that amen that. We need to be getting into the presence of God on a regular basis. Amen. We've got to get into the presence of God. Why? Because when the Holy Ghost begins to, to interact with our brain, amen, and our spirit, and then we start to feel compassion for people. We start to feel empathy for people that we didn't feel, amen, just a few minutes before, but the Holy Ghost comes in and it starts to take over and we begin to talk to these people and we begin, God gives us scriptures and he drops thoughts in our mind and in our heart and we share them with people. Amen. Sometimes they listen and sometimes they come back to God and sometimes they get healed and sometimes they don't but that's not your fault it is your fault if you're not letting the Holy Ghost take over your brain it is our fault if we're not getting in the presence of God and we're not spiritually sensitive to what he's trying to do amen so what do we have to do we got to let the Holy Ghost come in amen we need to let the Holy Ghost come in the old timers used to say pray until you've prayed through how many of you, it's been too long since you spoke in tongues? It's been too long since the Holy Ghost came in. Amen. And you felt, uh, some people say, it's a warm, tingly feeling. Amen. That comes from the top of your head and goes to the bottom of your feet. How long has it been, amen, since the Holy Ghost came and started putting words in your mouth? Amen. And you started speaking a language that you had never learned before. That's the power of God in your life. Don't think you have to shut your brain down. Amen. Don't think that, that well, you know, it's, this is Jesus' thing. I'm just going to trust him, and he's just going to say everything. He's just going to do everything. No. No, he empowers you. He empowers you. Some of you have gifts and talents and abilities, and what the Holy Ghost does is it activates them in your life. Some of you... I'm trying to be very, very nice. I don't want to be rude today at all. I'm not trying to be rude, but some of you, you've got gifts and talents that, that they're just not working. They're not activated. They're there. They're just not activated yet. You haven't allowed the Holy Ghost to come in. And so you think, well, I can do this and I can do that. No, no, no. We can do some things. But with the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost comes in, oh my goodness, it changes everything. Amen. It changes everything. So what we need to do today, how, how can we apply this to our life? Let me ask you th that question again. When was the last time that you spoke in tongues? When was the last time that you felt the Holy Ghost wash over you? You, you just felt, I know it's inside of you, but, but Paul told Timothy, yeah, it can be there, Timothy, but you got to stir up the gift. Well, some of you, you you've, got a, you've got a dormant gift. You need to stir up the gift. When was the last time you, you prayed until you said, you know what, God, I don't have anything else more important today than talking to you. I don't have anything else more important than getting into your presence. What would happen? What would happen? Amen. I'll tell you what would happen. The Holy Ghost is going to hit you. The Holy Ghost is going to rush in. Some of you are going to call me or text me this week and be like, Pastor, it was awesome. Amen. It was awesome. This is what happened. I was praying and, and God just totally renewed me and rejuvenated me. And then it wasn't two hours later, three hours later, I ran into so-and-so. Come on, somebody. And they're going to be coming to church with me on Sunday. Well, well y'all don't, you're not ready for that, are you? It was okay when I was talking about somebody else. Now I'm talking about you. The Holy Ghost is going to empower you this week. 
It's going to empower you. Why? This whole thing is about being a witness. Do you know why they were empowered by the Holy Ghost in the early church? They told everybody. They told everybody. And the, and the Romans, they tried to stamp this out. And every time they tried to stamp it out, it was like little sparks and flames started going everywhere. Why? Because you can't put that out. When the Holy Ghost is moving, amen, it just seems to spill over into everything else. There's something about the Holy Ghost when it takes over. You can't shut it down. Amen. It says we live and we move and we have our being. Do you have your being in him? Is he the reason that you exist or is it for something else? Come on, some of you living for your kids and your grandkids, you need to wake up. You got to wake up. There's the Holy Ghost power is going to come inside of you. It's going to change life like you have, you can't even imagine. Amen. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. The scripture says the Holy Ghost and fire. John said, I'm baptizing you with the baptism of repentance, but there's coming one after you who's mightier than I. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. When I was young, we used to sing a song. We said, it's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. Amen. Anybody remember that? It's keeping me alive. Amen. Uh, we used to say, I got it down in my heart, and it's keeping me alive. It's all over me, and it's keeping me alive. I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Ghost all over me. I want to go to the store with the Holy Ghost. Come on. I want to have conversations with the Holy Ghost. I want to have dinner conversations with the Holy Ghost. I want Jesus in everything I do. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm, I'm stopping so you can stand. I, don't worry. I'm, I'm done. Some of you worried I'm going to go on forever today. We need the Holy Ghost. Amen. You don't have to shut your brain down. No. Why don't you just open your brain up and say, God, it's all yours. Whatever you want to do. I, I don't know what you got in store for me, but God, it's, it's yours. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're Methodist, Presbyterian, or you call yourself Pentecostal or Apostolic. We all need the Holy Ghost. We all need the Holy Ghost. I don't care how you were raised, how you were brought up, what you were taught. Listen to me real quick. Romans 8 9 says, without the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. I'm not saying that. Don't get mad at me because I said you have to have the Holy Ghost. The scripture says you have to have the Holy Ghost. The scripture says without the Holy Ghost, we don't belong to him. I don't care what denomination you put on it. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what Uncle Bob or Aunt Sally told you. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want the Holy Ghost all over me. I want the Holy Ghost all over my wife. I want the Holy Ghost all over my teenage daughters. I want the Holy Ghost all over my son. I want the Holy Ghost all over this church. Hallelujah. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying this is going to be a much more powerful church when we're saturated in the Holy Ghost every service. Amen. When, when we go from just being a spectator to being a participant in what the Holy Ghost is doing. I wish you could hear me right now. God's calling some of you right here, right now in this place to, to, to leave the mundane, to leave the status quo and to say, God, I'm not satisfied with status quo. I want the Holy Ghost to empower me. I want the Holy Ghost to come and take over. Amen. If you feel that way, I want you to step out of your seat and walk down to this altar today. Lift up your hands and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I surrender it all to you today. I want you to have your way. God, I want the Holy Ghost in my life. I want, to, want it to fill me till I overflow. And I want you to have your way in me right now. God, I surrender to you.